0: Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ian. And on this episode, thinking, doing, playing board games, and it's the mechanics series and our topics of interest. Ryan, let us, it's your turn, so let us know what's going on. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got
1: it. Need it! We're doing set collecting. (laughs)
0: Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we are back and this is cardboard conjecture and we love to talk about everything. So we created a segment called playing, and doing and thinking and board games to basically just, you know, umbrella cover everything we can do. Um, so, in the uh, in the mood and theme of this episode, Ryan, why don't you start us off? Sure. So I'm actually going
1: to do a game. I think for the first time ever in this segment that I'm going to talk about a game that I actually don't physically own, and I've only ever just played it online through. Those exist. No. <laughs> it's right? the
0: quiet.
1: It's the quiet game. <laughs> <laughs> so a little game here called Nitavaleer. I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that correctly um i believe this was a kickstarter game it was designed by serge lagat and it's published by grr games i'm pretty sure you're supposed to pronounce it like that too all right and uh the th- the theme of Knit of Lear is actually pretty kind of neat you are kind of like um you're the head of like a, a of a dwarf family or a dwarf um military front or something like that and you're going out and you're recruiting other dwarves to go take on this big old dragon that's coming to town with it and what you're doing is you're actually visiting a whole bunch of different taverns and recruiting a whole bunch of other dwarves into your to your battle party to go battle the dragon whoever assembles the best battle party gets to go out and fight the dragon that's legitimately the
0: theme here and it's, i got bugs bunny in, in my head and elmer <laughs> fudd killed a killed sorry and <laughs> really that
1: theme is really pasted on because this is this is euro through and through and really this is just one big old set collecting type of game which is kind of tied into our uh, to our theme here but all also also tied back to when we just talked about auction games, too, because this has got an auction mechanic, too, where you have a... Or maybe it's more like bidding. It's kind of like blind bidding where you have these coins,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and what you're going to do on your turn is you're going to... Everybody's going to, to lay down their coins onto the three taverns and reveal them. Whoever lay down the highest coin gets to pick first, and then there's... I think there's six different um, dwarf types that you can recruit, and they all score... A little bit differently like there is um there's there's a set that they they, um they they grow by square numbers like if you have two there's worth four points but if you have nine points yeah and there's another set that grows up by triangular numbers so it goes like one three six ten kind of goes up a little bit like that other ones are just straight up just whatever the points are printed on them some other some of them are it's the points printed on them and if you have the most then you get some extra bonus points and then there's another set where it's just like um however whatever the value is times the number of dwarves you have in that set lots of different set collecting (laughs) that are going on oh and and plus there's also the added bonus that if you get once you get one of each yeah you get like a a super you get a heroist yeah you get like a hero guy and they have there's a whole bunch of them in the game that kind of do like ground like um Rule breaking things or really, really powerful set collecting type of uh, values to them. Really, really neat game. I really enjoy how fast it plays. Mm -hmm. And there's also this other thing because you also have a zero coin. So, of course, (laughs) if you bid with the zero coin, you're obviously going last. But also it has a conversion rate on it because there's always going to be two coins that you don't play on a turn. And if you've ever played your zero coin, you get to add those two coins that you didn't play together. And now you get a new coin. You get to replace the highest valued coin with that one. So if I had a five and a three left over, well, now I'm going to get an eight coin. I'm going to replace my five with an eight. And now I have a little bit better bidding power in the the future rounds. Really, really neat game.
0: Yeah, I quite Uh, enjoyed it when uh, you and I played it. Yeah, it was very... Familiar. And you, knew, and you knew nothing about it. Nah. And I kind of like just briefly talked you through it like in yeah. like five minutes and we were off to the races playing. Like yeah. that, that simple of a game. Well, and when I, looked at the, uh, when I looked at the set collecting, I just broke it down to what I'm used to, which is you've got your commons and you got your rares. And, and your rares each had its own unique thing like you described. So I thought that was cool, but I was really intrigued with that zero coin. That was to me. That was the the thread of genius. If this, yeah,
1: yeah. It's also the values of your coins are worth points at the end of the game too. So there is incentive of upgrading your coins to the higher values.
0: And because you have what is it, the four taverns or five taverns that you're you're blind bidding on? um, I call like I'm always I was always using the zero coin because I mean that was the that was that whole progression right? Um, And uh, it came down to Um, you know, what, what tavern was my ditch tavern? What tavern did I not, it was sort of like, uh, I can get any one of those cards and I'd be happy. Right. Um, what I think for me was what what I, I can't wait to see the difference in playing it live versus playing it online because playing it live, you, you have this periphery of everybody else's, what they're playing, what they're collecting. You can kind of eavesdrop a lot easier, a lot more familiar than, you know, than online.
1: Oh, don't worry. I was watching what you were doing the entire
3: time.
0: <laughs> Good, like I always I, yeah. am. Good because I wasn't.
3: And I stopped in as a spectator in that game, and I had no idea what was happening. <laughs> that
2: <laughs> makes two. The
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, but then Ryan hates that because it's like,
0: oh, stop saying that. Because yeah, I think I won by like five points. Yeah, it was. Some, it was some. It was something like that. You were a good teacher, Norm. Always, Norm always says, "I
1: don't know what I'm doing." He knows exactly what he's <laughs> doing. He's right. trying okay. to meta. He's
0: he's meta gaming right now. Yep. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm not that smart. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I
1: I I want to find an actual physical copy of this. I think it's kind of neat. It's kind of like that would be that nice little game fingers crossed game nights are going to possibly be happening yeah. in Saskatchewan in the, it, I think we can see, start seeing the
0: light at the end of the tunnel. Now there's going to be like, like Sanco de Mayo celebrations, but it'll be second shot celebrations, right? And really, like, we can go out and see people. <laughs> hey, that's what the bottom half of your face looks like. Woo. <laughs> um, so. yeah, uh, um, yeah. Who is it? Robin Anna Marie f- uh, from Meeple Dungeon. I remember they're talking a lot about that. Yeah. And don't worry, you're going to be scoring a lot of points. Like it's not
1: uncommon to have like scores into the upper 200s and the lower 300 point ranges, um, for this game because you're going to be scoring a lot of points really, really fast. Cool. So, what was that again? That was Knit of a Lear by Grr Games. Grr. All right, I just wanted to say it again.
0: Ian,
2: I'm,
0: I'm, I'm, you've got a surprise. I can't, you've got, yeah, just for so we know. So, other people know Ian didn't put his game in the show notes. So, for me, it's like, okay, it's like Christmas. Tell
3: me. Well, yeah, it's a, I got a got a new one. I got a new what? game. So, <gasps> Another I know one? I don't buy games Another very one? much. So, this one was, yeah, this one's an interesting one because I bet you guys haven't even heard of it. So, it's called Holt's Vocal Term. And it's very, <laughs> it's a really interesting game because it's sort of like, I I would almost describe it like Carcassonne because you know in Carcassonne you're building the board together. Yeah. And so this is kind of the same idea. You're building the board together. The the idea is that you have to you have to come together in the kingdom or whatever and build and build the the big tower. And so when you're doing that, you're putting out your tiles. It's almost like a semi co-op. Like you're working together and trying to complete this goal, but of course you you're also trying to, you know, you're not going to win together there's going to be winners mm-hmm. and losers but the interesting thing is that you can the tiles you can change their locations and so when you change the locations of the tiles it can kind of mess mess up the other people and oh yeah and you're trying to get your engine going right um, to work towards this common goal while also working towards yourself because if you if your engine if your strategy doesn't like click perfectly then basically everything is going to collapse and (laughs) and you're going to lose so that's basically that's basically the game and it's it's really interesting you're trying to really trying to balance your strategy so that you're keeping the game going but you don't want to be the one that causes it all to fall apart i was as you're so describing, these, yeah, I was just thinking in my a, head
0: it's this balance and you're just trying to nudge it a little bit in your benefit without making it collapse. Yeah, but
3: nudging nudging it a bit can be a problem too. But anyway, that's Holt's vocal term which is more commonly known by its uh, English name Jenga. <laughs>
2: that's what I, said.
3: <laughs> I was
1: running, I like I typed it in Then when I I was typing it in then when I hit enter and then Jenga pops up I was like is he just talking oh he is talking about jenga
0: that's it that's nice nice uh nice
3: setup and uh switcheroo oh, yeah i actually bought jenga i'm like why my why does my collection not have jenga gotta have jenga
0: it's crazy how much tension that game
3: builds <laughs> it's stupid fun i like it the yeah, uh that, that's
2: now one
1: that comes out quite regularly on a rainy sunday afternoon or something like that because alex even our three year old can he's got, he's got the idea <laughs> of take one and then try to put it on top without smashing
3: it here's the question <laughs> ian did you read the rules you know what that's that's interesting because i was like you know what as we were playing i'm thinking there are certain rules clarifications, right? Like how high, how, much, how low down yeah. can you take from, right? Yeah. How low down can you take from things like that? Uh, like exactly how much of your hand you put on the tower? I'm like, there's got to be rules for this. There are no rules in the box. None. There's, there's absolutely zero rules Is it like a anywhere. step one, step two, step three, repeat? There's nothing. <laughs> they, just, they just assume everyone knows how to play. They don't <laughs> even put rules in the box anymore. <laughs> it's so universal. Yeah, yeah. right? It's so
1: it's like all those rules that we kind of think about, like you can't take from um, like three down from the top of the tower. Like So those are just like family rules. I guess you, just, yeah. you just make the
0: rules. Oh,
2: mm-hmm. wow.
0: See, now I want to go investigate this. I want to go try
3: to find out if there's a rule set. And well, I'm sure there then, is.
2: <laughs> I don't
3: yeah. think just think Hasbro just like... Eh. We don't even do that anymore.
0: Yeah. You can see some people going, actually, we just threw these end cuts in a box and they just slid together. And someone thought it was real. Yep. <laughs> um, that's cool. There
1: Yep. Because there are, unless if you can read Dutch, <laughs> there's Dutch Jenga rules on BGG and there's Vietnamese. If you talk, if you speak Vietnamese, Jenga rules on BGG and then there is a bubble economy variant for Jenga on
0: (laughs) um, uh, on on Will Wheaton's um, tabletop uh, didn't they they played this role-playing game that had Jenga in the middle because it produced the same amount of necessary tension and and I forget what the game was but I've seen it used I've
3: heard that before, yeah. Yeah,
0: I've seen Jenga used as a mechanism in in these uh tension horror kind of RPGs. And I think sure. yeah, it's well,
1: a great tool. I've also seen it used as a drinking game.
0: <laughs> it's a family show. Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay, so that's a good transition. <laughs> well, from from drinking show we'll go to a pub, jaws of the line. Yeah. um so yeah, I got to play finally Took it off my shelf and went. Okay, I I know this game and I should just get going. So I I uh, put on the table Jaws of the Line, Gloomhaven, and I made I pushed it all the way to um, scenario five. And um, out of I I think there's what twenty some scenarios in Jaws mm-hmm. of the Line. No, it's yeah, it's been some time now for me, but uh, I believe yeah, twenty five. Yeah, yeah, it's like 24 it or 25. Yeah, and um, I think as a... Now, I have Gloomhaven, the big one, right? And interestingly enough, uh, uh, this is a lot easier. It's still a quite, you know, a pretty good table hog, but um, it's a shorter time to get set up. It uh, it scaffolds the learning process from, from, you know, campaign one to campaign two brilliantly. It, even so, where... Where you have training wheel cards in the beginning to teach you how the card mechanism fluidity works, right? And then as you're progressing, it just like I said that for, you know if you're not a teacher, scaffolding means give them a little bit and then go to the next level and then build the next level and then and then keep that learning process going. Um, and uh, it does this wonderfully. And I think by I think by camp by scenario four. You're all the, all the, you know, governor switches and all the, the restraints are taken off and, and you're pretty much soloing, or I mean, I'm not soloing, but you're pretty much, uh, going full engine on Gloomhaven. And, uh, I believe new characters, um, how yeah, all four uh, are new characters to the game. Yeah. And, uh, I was, uh, I was telling Ryan, I, I think it was at work, um, holy crows this one's got a pretty dark story oh there yeah, was uh, i've never i've never talked about that actually
1: the actual story behind it because i wanted people to describe it. but yeah you're right there there are some like like ooh, that's kind oh, of, oh, of gross oh
0: yeah it's it's like it's pretty uh i mean it would be on it would be on par to a video game that had a lot of gore right but, yeah. but this one doesn't have the sound, but, you know, unless you got really good imagination and you kind of, whoa, <laughs> let's play this game with the lights, real bright in the house. Um, but yeah, I, uh, um, I can't say enough about how this game works. And I think the first time when you showed me this game, Ryan, my instinct was this is D&D with cards and you don't need, you know, a DM this is it. Was it was great? It was so much fun, and it remains and, and it continues to be um, very intriguing and very uh, what a, what a cool puzzle to solve. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Because Frost Haven
1: is on. It's it's gonna. It, I think the latest update said something like August is going to be when or August or September is when it's going to start fulfilling. And oh boy, I don't think I'm going to play another game. For a while. You got and a frost for, for, <laughs>
0: for the frost.
1: Yeah. But Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion. Did you
0: finish Jaws of the Lion?
1: Yeah, we yeah, we finished it a while ago. Cool.
0: Cool.
1: Yeah. It's really, it's really good. I'm chomping out the bit for some new some new Gloomhaven. And you yeah. can actually import you can actually import those characters mm-hmm. from Jaws of the Lion into Gloomhaven. Yeah. As like expansion characters. Yeah, you
0: can bring them across. Uh, Ian, have you have you had a chance to do any Gloomhaven? Nope, not no. yet. No. Um, we we have a we have
1: a friend. Brett has Gloomhaven, but I don't yeah, think he's, he's actually already. ever. I don't think
0: he's actually ever dived into it yet.
1: No, well, I've been bugging him though.
3: Well, when, I'm, get, when I when I push somewhere. through,
0: this is one of my one of my objectives too, is to actually play it to completion. <laughs> so when I get it to completion, I'll just pass. I'll pass Jaws of the Lion onto you, and then you can, you can run through it, and then and then go. I think I might need to get the big box.
2: Oh
3: or get a frost for the frost. See the problem with the big boxes is, isn't there like a whole like fifty something scenarios. Oh, there's, like, there's like generations so, worth of. At the, I, so <laughs> I, I'm really resisting going in with the mindset of completion. I just Right? because that's a, that's a big ask. But you, but so, with yeah. the big box, you don't play them all. You play. You
0: play your selected linear path that you've that you no, go through the let, game. Let let, so let, let, let
1: let the guy who finished Bloomhaven. Yeah. Well that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> the, book, the book has like over 90 scenarios. Yeah, yeah. And your campaign is going to be somewhere be probably between fifty to sixty
3: scenarios. Yeah. See, I have to be okay with not finishing that. <laughs> kind of like how I'm starting to be okay with. Understanding George R. R. Martin is not going to finish his series. I'm almost there in my head. I'm almost okay a, with
0: that. But for those who didn't see, there was a couple eye twitches from Ian. <laughs> cool. So yeah, that was uh, Jaws of the Line. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. We're going into topics of interest and the mechanics series. Ryan, take it away.
1: Oh boy. So I had a hard time trying to come up with a mechanic that I wanted to actually talk about or that we could actually talk about for, for the for the show here but i settled on set collecting because it is does seem to be something that kind of pops up quite frequently in a whole bunch of different games and we're talk, we're going to be talking about um Euro games in the in, in the hope and hopefully the near future here in, in a future episode and this is just kind of like one of those things that we kind of see pop up every now and then um so i kind of have some talking points to go to go through here and would feel free to interject with some game suggestions or games that you're thinking about as I'm talking about these different types of things. But I guess we should start off by what is the actual definition of set collecting? In, and I'm just kind of you know, in board in card games. So here's what kind of like what I kind of came up with. I came up with a, the idea of accumulating multiple copies of the same thing, whether that be like tiles or cards, mm-hmm. or accumulating a bunch of different things in order to form what they are calling a set usually used as a secondary mechanic within a game in order to score points um, found mostly in euro type games but there are some exceptions that we'll probably get to does that sound okay does that sound like what we're doing in set collecting
0: yeah yeah for sure you identify the whole commons versus you know, so, one of each kind of thing. Yeah.
1: And so, and so then the brain waves so that, cause we're always trying to talk, we're always talking about semantics. and What are we including and yeah. what are we not including? I kind of put in here in quotation where it's contract fulfillments is maybe a, some sort of subset of the set collecting mechanic. As you do have to collect sets of things, usually resources or something like, like that, and then turn them in for points or turn them in for bonuses are we going to include games that have fulfilling contracts tonight in our discussions?
0: Well, I mean, maybe because it's it's like, uh, what am I thinking? La Granja, right? It's like the, the one of the wheelbarrows is a set of items that you need to submit in order to cash. So that recipe kind of, uh, um, as you said, the contract fulfillment. Yeah, I can see that work. Oh, okay,
2: yeah.
0: So what do you, do you think, Brian? What? what do I? I so, I think contract
1: fulfillment is kind of part of it, but when I'm thinking about like, so if I say this game has set collecting in it, or hey, this when I'm talking about describing a game and it says, oh, by the way, this is kind of like a little set collecting thing that's going on here. It usually is indicating that you're going to be accumulating something for the end game. You're going to say, if I have five of these at the end of the game, you're going to score 20 points. But if you have six of them, yeah. you're now going to score 30 points at the end of the game type of thing. Usually it's kind of like where my brain goes when I say, hey, this game has set collecting
0: in it. That's my first jump as well, is that there's like an interval reward system that if you have a small interval of you know set like four, you get this reward. If you've got five, you get this reward. If, you, if you're able to push your luck, and get a larger interval, you get a larger reward. So, yeah, that was the first thing that popped in my head was that interval versus reward system. Yeah, and I and I don't jump to, oh, fulfilling
1: contracts like oh, these the, these guys over here. If you have three stone and two wood, you can fulfill that contract and score eight points. Yeah, I that, I don't I I don't initially jump to say that's set collecting, that's contracts. All like right, what? get what? them out of here then. Ah, get okay. them out. Perfect. They're trying to hide
0: to. they're trying to hide behind set collecting yeah. that's what I wanted I wanted Ian to have firm confirmation say nope okay you've talked me <laughs> out of it Ian's the line in the sand guy absolutely it's like we' so, it. it's like oh there it is okay so before we get into this thing I wanted to give just a couple of examples of like some
1: games where you have like where you're collecting the same thing so like it says I have an example where it would be bonanza would be an example of collecting the same thing to, in order to score some some points an example of collecting different things would be say have we all played five tribes and you're collecting those market cards and as the more different types of market cards you collect the more coins you can cash them in for or more coins they're worth at the very end of the game so those are kind of like some examples and we're going to come hopefully come up with a whole bunch of other different types of examples towards the end here now here's here's the funny thing so I'm interested in this idea when it comes down to set collecting. Is how many points? Where do they? Where do they come up with the the, the point scheme, for for, for these things?
2: So and I'm sure
0: the math guy has an answer.
1: Well, I don't think I have the answer, but oh, I, well, I, I have some setup. talk. I have some talk. Yeah, I have some talking points. Okay. So usually the trend is that the lower number of elements in the set would yield a lower number of victory points, right? One or two is going to be worth less than a higher number of elements that will yield a higher number of victory points. That's, I, I don't know any circumstance where it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that would make any sense. And somebody please chime in if they're, <laughs> if
0: they do think. Well, something like that. I'll pop this in and you tell me if it's relevant. Um, I think a lot of the 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 reward or, or the victory points is tied also tied to um, how many cards are in that set. Like in Bonanza, mm-hmm. I know that the lower paying cards, well, they're low paying cards because there's a lot of them, right? Right. And then yeah. the higher payoff sets, well, there's maybe cocoa beans. Yeah, yeah. So I think there's a there's a, a correlation in, in regards to. The, the set volume versus the rewards um, formula, I guess. Mm-hmm. So here are some different
1: types of set collecting point systems that, I, that I've that i seen. Um, so one of them is using the use of what they call triangular numbers. And the concept of triangular numbers is just that if you were to line these things, if you align this num- number of objects up, you could create a triangle with it. So, one, oh, three, okay. six, 10, 15, 21. Then the next one would be seven more than that. Then the next one would be eight more than that type of thing. So, mm-hmm. you're adding now, the next example number. And so, the next, so the I actually came up with three examples where they actually have triangular scoring. In Sushi Go, the blue dumpling cards, when you collect sets of them, they go up by this by this increment of the one, three, six, ten, fifteen. 10, um, 15. In a game called Teotihuacan or Teotihuacan, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Still, it's this many years later. <laughs> they have uh, they have some things that you're collecting through the game called these mask tiles, and they also score in this triangular number fashion. And also in Castles of Burgundy, the um, the areas: a one area is worth one, but a two area is worth yeah. three, and a three area is worth six. So they also
0: increment in this triangular
2: right.
0: number number fashion. The uh, archaeology that Philip, Philip Walker Harding has very similar, like what you just described in, in, in some of their uh, set collecting systems. So, yeah, my brain's popping now. Keep going. So the next one, I didn't come up with as many examples
1: for this one, but there are two examples I come up with using square numbers as um, a point scoring. So one is one, two is four, three is nine. type of thing. of In Seven Wonders, the same type of science card. So if I have four compasses, I'm going to score 16 points for that. And in Stone Age, the civilization cards that have the symbols on the bottom they also score they also score on, on a yeah. um, square number system where if I have six of them and if I have and I think there are eight I think there's eight different symbols in that one so you can score 64 points <laughs> if
3: you collect all yeah. eight different. It might I, even I'm, be nine if you throw the expansion in
0: I, I wouldn't know nobody lets me collect them.
3: <laughs> well, well it, I think the it, difference it, it, here between, Because obviously the square numbers are going to go up quite rapidly more. So there, there's must be a correlation between how hard it is to get the cards, yeah. right? Because in I would in Stone Age, yeah, you actually Stone. have to put quite a bit to getting those cards. Seven Wonders, you know, collecting the same type of those green cards. It's not. It's not like you're just getting cards all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it speaks to the difficulty of actually collecting those
1: I, I my my thoughts kind of reflect the exact same thing if if it's something's going to be worth 64 points at the end of the game that should be probably difficult to do oh yeah and it, and it is collecting all eight different and just in the base game stone age collecting all eight different is very difficult very difficult to do and mm-hmm. um in seven wonders it's probably difficult to collect four or five of the same type because people usually hate draft from these and make sure that you don't run away with the, I always tell people don't run away with the science. Don't let somebody <laughs> run away with it. But so those are two um, kinds of systems. And then all these other ones. And I think this is the more you'll find more examples of this, of just something else, something that the designer has created or maybe the play testers have created the community creating the game has created yeah um, so like in five tribes, here's the scoring system for the market cards in five tribes. It goes one, three, seven, thirteen twenty one <laughs> and then it goes thirty, forty, fifty, sixty so'd like to start- see
0: th- I'd like to see the graph for that uh, scoring
1: <laughs> <laughs> in ticket to ride, it's almost triangular in ticket to ride it's just yeah. not it's not quite there it goes the for a one route is one, two route is yeah. two, a three route is four. Four out is seven, five is 10, six is
3: 15. Yeah. Yeah, because they, um, they, they definitely want to emphasize the larger roots are definitely worth more than the smaller the ones there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ab- yeah, absolutely. And then I did throw in Stone Age because we just wrapped up the Stone Age uh, tournament here on, in Bridge City Board Gamer Land. And uh, I, I like to throw this in that the, sto- the Stone Age players create their own multipliers for their sets. Because there, you could collect sets of the farm. Like you can go up yeah. a farming track, and then you can also create your own multiplier by collecting those types of cards or the different sets of buildings. If you collect a whole bunch of buildings, you can get multipliers for buildings in that game. So I, I threw that one in here
0: because it is kind of you are kind of collecting. And, and just a side note, I participated in the Stone Age tournament, and even prehistoric dice hate me. <laughs>
3: <laughs> there, Maybe it's the smelly leather cup that hates you.
1: Oh, it, it was quite the consensus that the digital dice rolls were not very kind to all of the participants. <laughs> oh, there was probably a lot of monitor shaking. <laughs> oh,
2: come
3: on. Yeah. So I've got an interesting one for you, Ryan, that I think you'll like. Um, Days of Wonder came up with a game about 10 years ago called Cargo Noir, where you're like, shake. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're in the black working in the black market trying to smuggle goods back and forth. And so you're like collecting all these illegal goods, like guns and, and stolen jewelry and stuff. And so you're trying to collect these goods and cash them in for, for these cards that get you big points. Uh, but they've, you can either collect all the same or you can collect all different. And when you collect all different, depending on how many you've got, it goes out triangular. If you collect all the same, it goes up with square numbers. So that game actually does both of those. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so it's got a two tier system for cashing in your What does Targi, does Targi utilize
1: that? So so Targi does a little bit different. So in Targi, you're collecting the Targi cards that you're gonna lay out in front of you. And if you have a a row of all of the same, it is worth four points at the end of the game. But if they're all different, then that row is only worth two points at the end of the game. And if there is ever just like just one set of repeat and everything else is different, well, then it's worth nothing. It's either going to be all the same or all different in order to get those. So it's created
3: its own basis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The um, the same with this one, too.
0: Dragon Castle, uh, which I I love playing, um, has a very similar scoring system to Ticket to Ride. And I think that's why. Um, Mel likes it a lot because of the familiar, familiarity. She loves Ticket to Ride and she loves this set collecting. So, so yeah, no, the, um, that mechanism, it's solid like yeah, in regards so, to, to making things work. Yeah, so
1: I, I would say that we, we probably can see more examples of where they create their own um, tiered system of how many points. And I put a note here that I say I really enjoy when games offer the collecting of different things to form a set, Cause there's usually a very few of a certain thing right. in order you can, to yield the higher point
3: toils. You can funnel it a little bit, right? The mm-hmm. same yeah. thing that co-op does with their, uh, their fuel, fuel to win thing. <laughs> 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 you'll collect, you'll collect the certain number of cities, but they got one that's rare. It's the same idea.
2: Yeah. That's or a, I, guess,
3: a- <laughs> I guess we should make this a little bit more global. We could say like the monopoly at McDonald's, right? <laughs> yes. I felt a piece of straw chewing on the corner of my mouth. Is <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> We've got certain tabs that are uh, that are more rare, and they can control the flow from that. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah. So I thought that's kind
1: of there, there's some interesting points there about how the set collecting. And so maybe as listeners are listening to this, you're thinking about games you've been playing. And you've collected sets and how are they scoring their points? I think it's really, I, I don't know, it was, it was interesting from a mathematical standpoint. And I bet you you're right, Ian, too, that in games like Sushi Go, it's harder to collect. It's easier to collect those dumpling cards than it is, say, in Seven Wonders to collect those um, compasses or tablets or yeah. something along those
3: lines. Yeah, it's a good way to scale your points depending on on the difficulty of your your game goals, right?
0: Mm-hmm. now have we is this have we talked about oh no I see it coming up I was gonna say games that um, uh, uh, like collecting a set is is the key to being able to to achieve a certain
1: uh, yeah, uh, reward we, 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 yeah we can jump in to that right now because my next little section here's just my random thoughts okay yeah yeah i did
0: i did i was just it was rolling in my head i'm going well there's another there's another approach and then it was just clicked into my head when i well there's another very popular game
1: (laughs) that uses set collecting in a different way yeah and so we're going to be talking about like say like pandemic where you want to collect a set of colored cards in order to say cure into order to cure the disease or you need to collect sets of cards just to put out the um put out the research stations or something like that as long as they play just base um, pandemic. But that's a, that's a way in a cooperative setting that they use set collecting in order to reach uh, a different objective.
3: Yeah. And that's interesting because your strategy is very focused around trying to do that, right. It was opposed to just, Oh, you're just doing it. Yeah. You're really trying to work to figure out who, how to get the cards in the hands of the right people and, yeah it's yeah yeah the the set collecting is
1: much more forefront than in say these any of these other games where it's just like i say it's it's the secondary or the third in 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 the line which kind of leads me to one of my points here where i said sometimes it just feels like it was just kind of like added in Mm -hmm. as just a way to score as a way to score points like in teotihuacan why am i collecting masks like what's the purpose of just collecting all these different masks that doesn't really fit with all the other things that I'm trying to do like contributing to building the pyramid like it kind of felt like a random thing just kind of thrown in there It's a neural real thing that I'm going to do and put it in here to this game you can score more points because you're not scoring enough points already
0: Yeah, <laughs>
1: <That's like, laughs> type of thing I don't know do you guys have any thoughts about that or it just kind of just feels like are there any other games that I kind mean, of feel like they kind of threw
0: it in you could you could perceive it as as the set collecting is just another way to you to implement that euro track where you're just trying to keep pushing the score up you know by by increasing your set but i think sometimes thematically if it's applied appropriately it it makes a connection it it makes a uh, um you you get you get an understanding of, of why it was selected other than just like you just said, just to would be another layer of point point scoring kind of thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, to like be,
0: in
3: oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, to be honest, like if I think about do you like this mechanism or do you not, I'm pretty neutral on it. Because I, I really see set questioning as just utilitarian, right? It's just the way to get the job done in most of these cases. I mean, there are some there are some games that we'll bring up later where I think it's neat in what it adds to the game but most of the time it's just what it is yeah yeah it's just there to
0: complete a purpose I think it's one of those things that if you take it out of the game you will notice that it's gone like I mean ticket to ride it's like you just said it's utilitarian it's a function of the entirety it's not the rock star but it's a necessary implement. It's a necessary feature to the engine yeah. that, you know. Yeah, so you. like
3: tech to ride, you're right. It is necessary. Yeah. It's not like people are, people aren't playing. so like, Oh, I can't wait to collect five blue cards. People yeah. are playing so they can be like, I can't wait to take that root away from you. Yeah. Yeah. But if you take away that set collecting, what is there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's a means to an end, but it's, it's still pretty crucial in that sense. Yeah, I'm trying to think of ones Ryan where they're not crucial, like like you just brought up. But I just I'm not. Yeah, maybe maybe in an
1: This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge, right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escapes escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are fully licensed for Game Lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. And my last couple thoughts here were that games that include set collecting and into the game um, is it usually a viable strategy? Like if if a game has set collecting in it, sometimes I try to gravitate on like, ooh, they put that in there. Yeah. I wonder if that is if I focus if I focus on that and I try to collect all of the things. Am I going to be competitive? Am I going to be competitive cool. in, in in the end game? And then at the same time, I always say if they're set collecting, don't let one player collect all of the things. Yeah, because so, usually if it's like if you start getting to that h- higher higher tier like i say like i usually i use five tribes a lot because jen's thing that she loves to do is collecting <laughs> all of the market cards and she scores exponential points by collecting by collecting not even just completing a full set but then she's also started working on like a second set
3: yeah but it's As, risk uh, reward too right because true. if you, you go all up? in on that and oh, you yeah. don't yeah, like you have to get to a certain level to start getting the crazy points. There, there's a if threshold of that. Yeah. yeah, if you're short of that, then it didn't
0: work. Yeah, yeah. a, l- well, a little it, bit of push your luck. Right. And to me, that's always the tipping point in Stone Age is, is you can do a lot of, you know, points during the game, but it's that set collecting at the end of the game that just blows it wide open.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And like you said, Ryan, if you don't track, it's like, oh, they can't get this double, you know, double tech tools card because now they're gonna have, you know, nine times their so yeah, there's there's the oh sometimes I love it and sometimes I just <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> I think hey. for for me, uh what I recognize from the experience with Stone Age is. I would rather play set collecting at a table where I can see everybody, you know, in that atmosphere rather than have to, like, scroll down the screen and process it that way. Yeah. That's my excuse, and I'm sticking to it.
3: I do think it's worth pointing out that this is a pretty fundamental idea behind most traditional card games, right? Like, when you think set collecting, Rummy comes to mind right away, right? Mm. That's all that that
2: is. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Or... Go fish, right? Even if it's something as simple as go fish. So the interesting thing about it is because of that, it's something that people are really familiar with, right? And can just like, it's not something you have to explain just like somebody starting worker placement. You have to explain that whole process to them. Something like this, the idea of collecting all the same or all different, that's pretty, pretty straightforward.
0: This mm-hmm. just popped in my head. You guys hear me out. Is a trick-taking game a set collecting game? No, <laughs> you're. Because, no, hear me out. If I start out in a certain certain suit, well, I'm collecting that set of suits, and I'm trying to win that that meta set collecting interval. Yeah, but there's trump to, and there's and I, soft well, that's cards. what it means. But I mean, it in no. general, trick taking is a is a, a uh, um uh, um. I keep using the word interval, but is a is a uh, one round set collecting event but do you score points like say if i have one trick i score one point and if i have
1: two tricks i score four points and if i have five tricks i score no
0: but there is relevant no. scoring associated to this trick taking set isn't there like if you can in, in kaiser which is a good prairie game if you get the five of hearts five points you get the three spades minus three points so there is rules like so one thing There's, to score
2: you're, you're not
3: no, no. you're not selling us on I, don't, I don't think you're so
1: i don't know you didn't sell us on trick taking oh, come <laughs>
0: on that's a completely different that's a completely different <sighs> mechanic well you know what i'm going to talk to dave about this because he always has his stats backwards so i got a fan there okay <laughs> okay well is that the segue now into talking
1: about some of our favorite games that incorporate set collecting
0: Yeah, I'm going to start off with Kaiser. It's a trick-taking game. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Quiet.
3: (laughs) Ian, you've got some interesting ones down here. Talk to us. Okay, so one I came up with is DinoGenics, the dinosaur island building game. Not Dinosaur Island, though. And Uh it's... The set collecting is used in how you actually um, build your build your dinosaurs what's the word i'm looking for create your dinosaurs dna create your dinosaurs and (laughs) so you're collecting the cards but different dinosaurs have different numbers you have to collect right so you need three t-rex cards or four brontosaurus cards or so the easier ones like a stegosaurus you only need two cards and so on so that's like when i said utilitarian that's definitely how it goes in this game right this is just a just a way to get the dinosaurs. The game is built around everything else, how you manage the dinosaurs and everything, but this is just a way to get the dinosaurs. But it's interesting because there's different ways to get the cards, right? There's different ways to collect. You can buy them in a market. You can uh, shuffle through a discard deck, try to find the one you want. You can just draw randomly to get what you want. So there's different ways to do it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, otherwise it's pretty straightforward. It doesn't have the different... Well, it doesn't really have the different points, right? So you either collect four brontosaurus or nothing. So it doesn't have that point uh, but you know, no that so that progression
1: that collection in a in a kind of like an interesting way that you no, know, I need to collect all of the same thing, and my reward is I get to create a I get to create a dinosaur, which right. are worth points. Yeah, the dinosaurs themselves so, are worth points. The, the yeah. dinosaurs themselves are worth points in, in, in the end.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'll accept that one. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't care if you accept trick taking. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I want, yeah, I want to uh, just go back and quickly mention Dragon Castle. That, as Ryan says, Mahjong with a theme. Um, that's it's very familiar because it's very similar to the Ticket to Ride um, collecting and. Uh, they use a different term you know it's like when you when you lay a route I think they use consolidation that's what they call it mm-hmm. and uh, but I really I'm so uh, st- I'm connected to the three dimension the three dimensionness of that that set collecting building because as you build up the layers of your temples, those layers become end of game scoring points if you have you know one uh, one level, Temple with a with a roof on it, or a two level, or a three level. So I like how they incorporate that set collecting with that dimensional um, scoring element too. So I I I thought that was very um, very smooth and and clever in regards to just adding another subtle approach to it. Yeah, one uh, a game that I uh,
1: that I I actually enjoy, and it's not the main. Obviously, it's one of these games where it's like, it's not the main thing that you're doing do, but I always find it's really hard to do is in Takedo when you're going shopping <laughs>
2: oh, and, you're yeah. trying to, and you're trying yeah. to collect
1: the different types of souvenirs. It, I, I always, I, I always get frustrated because I said, like, okay, this time I want to try, I want to try the shopping strategy, <laughs> but then I always get a character that doesn't really seem to go with the doing the shopping because the money is so money is so tight in uh in Takidos, and you need lots of it in order, potentially, you need lots of it in order to um to, to collect the multi at least get yeah. one set, but to collect <laughs> multiple sets. And I find that one's interesting too because if when you score the um get one, you get one, and then the next one you get you add on to that toilet it's, yeah. it. it's not worth it's not like hey, I got a set of four, I get 10 points. No, it's got the one was worth one point, and then the next one was worth three points, and then the next one was worth four points, and yeah. then the next one is worth so. And you got points every time that you did collect. Like yeah, the, the it kept, st- it kept the stacking, accumulating.
0: Yeah, the stackingness of it, cool. It kept
1: accumu- accumulating. So, and that was one that usually you don't see that one quite often, where it accumulates afterwards. It's usually, hey, a set of four is yeah. is this. Well, I guess yeah, it is sure. kind of like, it is kind of like that, but in the the game. Play, mm-hmm. you kind of just always track your points instead of well. And and area.
0: typically, there's not too many games that allow you to add to your set once your set is played.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian, do you got another one? Yeah, this one I think it's a little bit more tied into the whole overall gameplay. Um, have you guys played Zulu Retto? I've heard of
1: it. Uh, yeah, once I think I played it once with you.
3: Yeah, that. I think so. Yeah. So with the Loretto, you are collecting animals and you've got i I don't remember exactly how many, like four different pens or something like that in your zoo that you're trying to fill up as much as you can. Every pen fits a different number of animals. Like, so one will fit five, one will fit six. And then there's different points based on if you fill it all the way, or if you're like one short from filling it and so on. So it has a point progression there. You can only have one type of animal in each pen though. So you're, trying to collect all the same type but the set collection ties into the main mechanic which is uh the collecting the the trucks that the animals are coming into and so you're pulling tiles and putting them on a truck and eventually people start taking the trucks once they think they've got what they want in there so it's got a little push your luck like okay uh do i wait for the truck to come be more full before I take it get greedy or do I just take it now because it's got some things I want but that's crucial because if you start collecting more animals than you can fit in your zoo right because remember you have to have the same type so if you pull out a different animal that is not part of your zoo you're going to start losing points so you lose points for any extra animals that you have because so you really don't want those and so this idea of collecting only what you want really ties into the whole conflict of the central conflict of the game. Cool. Nice. I, and,
0: um, uh, your your sense of penalty um, is a good segue into, and are you, have you wrapped up?
1: Yeah. Or, don't
3: go
0: far. Yeah. No, your, your, your sense of penalty um, is a nice lead into the one that I, uh, I, I like my, the one I'm going to present uh, quickly did some research and, this popped up on the list in BGG, and, you know, when you put the filter. And uh, I have to think about it and go, yes, it does qualify. But it's so intriguing as to the duality of, of this game set collecting. And this game is Arboretum, where you're collecting a species of trees and you're trying to split the difference as to which ones am I planting in my Arboretum and which ones am I going to hold back in my hand to try and score not to score points but to try and have a bigger hand value so that i can score the set on my tableau and oh. um that one and again ryan i've played this game a lot with you and that one is the most difficult decisions i've ever had in a set collecting game because i mean you can dumpster dive in the discards and so the idea of pick up two cards play one to your tableau and discard one are the most painful choices sometimes because of that duality in your set collecting. So yeah. And (laughs) the penalty is if I haven't been paying attention to my set collecting and Ryan has more uh, value in the species that I've been collecting than I do, I'm penalized by not being able to score my, my arboretum row. So, yep. so there's incentive for me to collect things
1: to counter well. <laughs> Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: No. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting take on the set of 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 collecting something of the same in order to in order to do that. I like that. I like that example. Yeah. Um, the next one that I had in my um, kind of notes here is, is uh, one of my one of the games that got me into hobby board gaming is is Alhambra. And Alhambra is a set collecting game where you are wanting to collect all of the same type of, um, say, colored buildings. But at the end of every round, you have to now compare who has the most of of those types of buildings. So In round one, it is whoever has the most. In round two, it's whoever has the most and second most. And in round three, it's whoever has the most, second most, third most. Right. And 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 then the, the points go way up in, in say round three if you have the most compared to say like if you had the most in round two type of thing. So I I I think that one's a set collecting because you do have to collect mm-hmm. and you can go all in on just collecting just a couple colors or you can try to diverse yourself and try to collect a whole bunch of different colors into your into I your uh, into your tableau and in, sorry, into your yeah, your little tableau of your
3: alhambra. But again, it's it's a case where if you were to say what is the what's the fun part of the game, it's not that right. Like it's the fun part is trying to get those au- win the win tiles with the auctions and have have them fit the right place with the walls and things mm-hmm. like that. But if you don't have that, there's no goal to the game, and so yeah. then the game doesn't work; it falls apart.
1: Right? Yeah, because at the at, in the end of it, you could just be oh, you know, it's just bidding. Finding a tile. Whoever has the most of a certain tile, like that, yeah, that's a very boring description of a game. But oh, now I add the spatial element puzzle to it. I've got to puzzle piece these things together, and there's wall segments that only you have to make sure you continue the building, and then you can corner yourself
0: by closing your off your Alhambra too soon. <laughs> Everything. I that's have so to fun. play this game. This this has always been on my list.
3: What, you've never played Alumbra? I've never. Oh my goodness! That's what it, I mean. I have to yeah, play. This game.
0: That, that's a that's a.
1: It's an it's an oldie at at this by my standards. This is yeah, an, old, but, but this I mean, an oldie,
0: but but I mean, usually yeah, those are the ones that have the best foundational play of those mechanisms. Like El Grande, uh, there's I'll never play another, you know, area control because it's awesome and it's old. So don't don't discredit the uh, classics, man. That, hey, that's that's Ian's line. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I should pay him a licensing fee then.
3: Ian, you got another one? Uh, yeah, okay. I'm gonna throw this one in just uh, just for the fun of it because it's an example of a very very minor addition into the into the mix, and that's Cyclades. Because Cyclades is kind of a mess of a whole bunch of different stuff going on. Like pretty much every mechanic series we've had has had some piece of Cyclades, I think. But this is interesting because the goal of Cyclades is to get a city or build two cities, actually two cities. But two of the ways you do that. And I think there's only three ways to do it. are set collection and they're different types. And so one is collecting four cards of the same kind. Now, I don't know that that fits because those are the only cards you can get. So, basically, you're just trying to get four cards. Maybe that doesn't fit now that I'm thinking about it.
2: But, <laughs> ha, 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 <laughs> he's
3: going to talk himself out of it. <laughs> but the second one the second one is that you have to build the little buildings. There's four buildings. And once you build all four buildings, then they become a city. They merge and become a city. And so, you're that's a set collection there because you're trying to get the get the different cities you have to have each one of each kind in order to uh, build your city. Then that's basically one of the two points you need to win. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's not that big of a
0: No, I mean <laughs> not that prominent it, of a feature in the game, but But it, but like we anyways. got going back to that idea that if you take it out, then the game like like Jenga, if you pull that piece out, the game just doesn't work properly. Yeah. That's true. i uh, my last suggestion here is again looking at it from the reverse where you don't want to collect a set, and this one is cockroach poker, where Ooh, if, uh, and yeah. and again, um, <laughs> I, I, I I I've played this a lot, and I always kind of go, oh well, you know, it's just this, it's just a small little filler game, but there's I have so many giggles playing this game, so. It's that idea of everyone gets a hand of cards and you're it's a bluffing game, but you don't want, when, when you get called or you're on your bluff or you lose your bluff, you have to, you have to retain whatever it is. So it's a frog or like, I think there's eight different sets and uh, and it's a unique game as far as it's uh, end of game conditions. It's it's whoever has uh, a set of four of one type loses the game. There's no winner. It's whoever loses first and then the game's over. And right. I think that is such a really cool approach to, again, flip that idea on its head and go, well, instead of, instead of wanting to collect, you, <laughs> that's the opposite. You want to stay away from it. So what I find um, the most exhilarating and, and, and panic moments in the game is when you start collecting two of something. People don't really lean on you because in that game, you can, you can take a card and you can bluff to anybody. People can dogpile on people. And what happens is, let's say somebody has three spiders. Well, all of a sudden, people are going right at that dogpiling dog that person and, and the anxiety goes up and the stress goes up and the laughing goes up. And I think what I, what I like the most about this game coming from, from teaching psychology is the, how the body language changes, how the vocal intonations change, because someone will go, it's a spider. It's like, whoa, where, where did that voice come from? Uh, no, it's not, right? Um, and so, yeah, I like this game is based on set collecting with that idea of bluffing. And I, I, uh, this is one of my favorite uh, giggles. Absolutely, if I was to say, what's that collecting game made you laugh the most? This one. <laughs>
3: I like that one. Yeah, yeah, that's a good pick.
0: Hey there. If you like the content that we produce and the type of show we're creating, please leave a happy rating on iTunes or the podcast platform that you use. This would be such a great gift and it would help make it easier for others to find us when they search for Board Game Podcasts. Thanks
1: for listening. Maybe in the same vein, but this one you kind of do want to collect all of the same <coughs> thing, but it creates moments of hilarity and everything is pit.
3: Oh yeah. Good old <laughs> pit.
1: Good, good old, good old pit of you're <coughs> just trading just trading cards back and forth until you got your set that, what is it? Not, is it nine something eight or nine or something like
0: that. Yeah. And then you'd be and you ring the bell and you're
1: like, yeah, I got bell. it.
0: And this is the one where you're yelling, aren't you? Where I got this, yeah. I got this. So this is definitely two, two, Th- three, this is three. Definitely a masks only pandemic, post pandemic game. <laughs> <laughs> one. We played pit and we got the collectors masks this time.
1: And then once somebody starts yelling, one, one, you're like, don't trade with him. Yeah. Don't trade with him. He only needs
0: one thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. That, yeah. Well, this, this was a this was a great topic. I never. Uh, Never thought to explore this. Well,
1: yeah, we we surprised myself too. I didn't. I was like, "Wow, well, boy, you're gonna we're we grasping at straws here to get." Uh... But we had a good discussion. Yeah. that
0: collecting, we collected many we of collect- thoughts. Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> cool. Well, that being said, uh, we're going to round out this episode by thanking you so much for listening and uh, taking the time to uh, care about what we have to say about board games. And uh, I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook, at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek Guild number 3039.